The Syracuse Sports Podcast is presented by the Bill Rapp Superstore. Oh, Brian and Bruce, they're in a sweet mood because the Orange made the Sweet 16. So, you know, you always get a great deal, and it's always the smart choice at Bill Rapp and BillRapp.com. But these guys are in a pretty good mood. They might give you a pretty good deal, considering the Orange just keep on winning in the NCAA tournament. So stop into the Bill Rapp Superstore or calculate your payments online. Check it out for yourself at BillRapp.com. Jay Billis joins me on the Syracuse Sports Podcast this week. The ESPN college basketball expert looks at the effectiveness of the zone defense for Duke. Yeah, it's weird, but it's working, and it's going to be a huge factor, of course, in Syracuse's Sweet 16 matchup with the Blue Devils and why this NCAA tournament is not unprecedented, as some experts are saying. I also catch up with Ryan Blackwell this week, now the head coach at Liverpool, who just won a state championship, their first ever for boys basketball, and head for the Federation Tournament this weekend. I don't know about you, I found it pretty interesting how people love to hate Syracuse this week. The Ringer.com writes an article and calls the zone defense controversial. What's controversial about it? Did it have a sex scandal I'm not aware of? controversial. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's controversial. There was an article in USA Today about how unwatchable the zone defense has been. There's been lots of things written and lots of things said about Syracuse. But let's do the blind resume test. If you just put out a team that got in as the last team in, 68 out of 68, won in Dayton, beat a team, beat a six seed on a Friday night in a different city, and then beat the number three seed Michigan State Spartans in Detroit with a crowd that was certainly 90% rooting for Michigan State. Short of Sister Jean at Loyola Chicago, that team would be the darling this week. But because it's Syracuse and it's Bayheim, some old narratives take hold. But on the other hand, ESPN's 538 did a very interesting article this week. As they write at 538.com, in short, He's won a lot more games than the odds say he should have. To measure just how many of those each coach has racked up, going back to 1985, the start of the 64-team NCAA tournament era, we used our ELO ratings to generate pregame win probabilities for each tournament team. The coaches with the biggest differentials between their actual and expected tournament wins are the ones who have the strongest March Madness resumes. And sure enough, Bayheim shows up at number one. Take that, haters. Let's listen into my conversation with Jay Billis from ESPN. Jay, one of the great storylines of this game is zone defense versus zone defense. Maybe not something that you would traditionally see in a Duke-Syracuse game, but it has been this fascinating storyline that's developed with Duke. How much did their season really turn around when Coach Krzyzewski went to the zone defense about 11 games ago? I don't think it turned around. It just got a lot better. Um you know, you, you turn around means, you know, it connotes that somehow they were, weren't doing well. They were winning the overwhelming majority of their games. And they were an NCAA tournament team playing man. So I don't think it was that big of a deal. But they, they you know, they've become a better rim protection team and, and protecting the lane. They don't have to guard ball screens with uh, with the zone. And that was uh, the biggest challenge of having their big guys strung out all over the floor, getting ball screened to death. Uh, so it's been an improvement. Uh, and but it's it's also limited the pace of the game, which is not necessarily a good thing for them. It's reduced the amount of possession. So when you have Duke, the zone Duke versus Syracuse, it's going to be a really low possession game that 
uh, is, you know, I think Duke can get up into the 70s. I, I, I'd be surprised if Syracuse can. That's going to be the biggest problem is can Syracuse score enough points? I don't think they can. Jay, when you look at how Coach Krzyzewski is using the zone versus how Jim Beheim uses the zone, uh, what differences, if any, do you see in, in how they implement it? Just points at where they trap and uh, and the way they guard certain things in the middle when the ball gets into the middle. Uh, you know, Syracuse has been doing it a lot longer, so they uh, they teach to it and you know teach all their slides a certain way. Uh, and you know, it's what they do, um, and they they do. A, I think they do about maybe a better job of guarding the perimeter when the ball goes into the middle. Uh, neither team is is great when there's penetration. Uh, that's the biggest, I think, the biggest issue in the game is our team's going to be, are, is either team going to be able to penetrate the cast of the zone and make two play one where they can uh, distort it? Um, you know, that's the that's the most difficult thing for a zone to deal with is dribble penetration. Uh, so Duke does a better job of that, I think, and they're they're a much better offensive team, uh, and they can really rebound. So, you know, those are things that all give a zone a hard time are, you know, teams that can dribble, penetrate, and teams that can rebound. We saw a Syracuse team two years ago, you know, as a 10 seed, make it to the, the Final Four. And this team has an opportunity to do it again, albeit a very tough road here, starting with Duke on Friday. But just looking at this Syracuse team, having won three games to make it this far, what has impressed you the most about Syracuse's run? Uh, they played pretty well. I mean, it's not like they played a murderous row of teams, though. Um, you know, that's kind of the that's kind of the thing is that that the the win that surprised me was the one over over Michigan State. Uh, and Michigan State shot twenty five percent or whatever they shot. I mean, it was a it was a, a, a ridiculously low low number. So you have to ask yourself: Was that all Syracuse's defense, or was that Michigan State kind of falling down uh, as part of it? I mean, I know those things are connected. But uh, but I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect Duke to do that. But uh, you know, look, a lot of this is about what path you take. And you know, Syracuse played a, a, a an Arizona State team that is is good, but not not really good. They played a TCU team that I thought was overseeded, and uh, and and they hadn't had a point guard for a month and a half. Um, but but the Michigan State win was the one that really surprised me. So that, that that was a big upset. Jay, just looking at the rest of the tournament field here in your latest Billis Index, you noted that you know outside of course of a 16 beating a one and some other interesting storylines that pop up, this is not an unprecedented tournament. These things happen year in and year out. It's just kind of the different storylines that evolve. That being said, how would you characterize what that first round was and now what we're looking at here with the Sweet 16 getting underway Thursday night? It was typical of most tournaments. It was really fun, and uh, and I think everybody enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I just I just found college basketball the way we process the tournament really kind of interesting. You know, the, the World Golf Championships are going on right now, and, and and the Masters is coming up, and people are talking about how they want to see Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson in the final pairing. And I'm like, well, don't they want chaos and upsets like we do? <laughs> I mean, you know, some, somehow we we crave the upset. But then when we get to the Sweet 16 and we don't have the teams that we normally see or that we want to see, then we're somehow disappointed by the results. But it's kind of a weird, weird deal. Uh, and, and I don't know what, what it is about us in the media, but we want to say unprecedented. And, uh, and then we want to talk about parity and the coaches talk about parity. And I think they do it as an excuse to lose. Um, it's not a sinister thing, but they, you know, it, it, when they lose, they want to say, Hey, look, all these teams are great. And that's not true. Not all these teams are great. Uh, you know, Kansas state isn't great. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty good. And that's about it. 
Um, does that mean they can't beat somebody? Of course not. They could beat somebody, but they're the luckiest team in the tournament because Virginia got beat. And, uh, but the, all the things that are happening now happened in 1986 and 1990 and 1991 and, uh, 2001 and all that stuff. I mean, we've had, we've, we've had, uh, double the amount of, uh, double digit seeds in the Sweet 16 in, in the past, uh, 20 years ago. Uh, and we've had, uh, you know, 1999, we had five double digit seeds make the Sweet 16. Um, but the, the first weekend was really fun. And then we've got a good group going forward. Uh, there are some teams that I think are better than others. Uh, Villanova and Duke are the two best teams. Uh, but you never know. I'd like, th- this is a, this is a, a, a system where the best teams don't always win. It's, it's set up that way. There, there's no other sport I can think of, major sport I can think of where, you know, you have, you don't have the best teams involved in the, in the tournament. Like we didn't have the best team. We don't have the 68 best teams. We've got like the 40 best and then, Another twenty or so that, uh, or whatever the number is, that uh, that got in as automatic qualifiers and really aren't as good as the others. And does that mean they can't win? Of course not. Some do, but most of them, most of them that pull an upset lose right after that. It's really rare you see a team like, uh, or pretty rare you see a team like Illinois Chicago pull off what they pull off. Jay, it is always great to catch up. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Sure thing, Brent. How about a shout out to a team that's never on the bubble? The Bill Rapp Superstore. Brian and Bruce, those guys bleed orange. They love talking hoops with you. And they're celebrating the season with slam dunk deals. Boom, basketball reference. New Subarus, Buicks, GMCs. You can get live market pricing on pre-owned vehicles. How about credit approved, value on your trade? You can calculate your payments online. That's a good idea. Get on BillRapp.com and figure it out there because you always get a great deal. It's always the smart choice. And you can shop online at BillRap.com. Ryan Blackwell has gone from the courts of the Carrier Dome to that of Liverpool High School, from player to coach, where he just led the Warriors to not only their first state title, but just the eighth undefeated team in Section 3 history. Led by tournament MVP Charles Pride, the Warriors continue their quest in Glens Falls this weekend, playing in the Federation Tournament. We caught up with Ryan to discuss how he led this Warrior squad to an undefeated season after a disappointing loss in the Final Four last year. And we certainly got Ryan's thoughts on the Syracuse Orange and their run to the Sweet 16. So, Ryan, uh, certainly congratulations go out to you and Liverpool, a state championship. Tell me about that journey from the beginnings of the season to claiming that state title just a few days ago. Man, it's it's crazy. It's been a lot of hard work. Um, these guys have been dedicated. Uh, you know, starting from last year when we lost in the Final Four um, to getting, you know, after the season, to the summer, to the workouts, to the fall, and the, the open gyms, and the individual workouts, to all the practices um, to get to this point. To win a state title is not easy. To win a state title being undefeated is almost impossible. Um you know, especially with injuries, you know, at Charles Pride to go down, we had Nas Johnson, um, who was injured, you know, for a lot of the season and just for everyone to step up and rally around one another. Um, and just the way they did it, you know, they generally care about one another and you can see it. Their chemistry is great. Uh, so that makes it even more special. Injuries and death sounds like uh, Syracuse, right? Having problems there and yeah. overcoming that. So you mentioned Charles Pride. He was the tournament MVP. He's a senior, came back from that injury. Had to be a little extra special for him. What makes him such a great player for you? You know, 
other than him being unselfish, he's an all-around player, uh, great IQ, and he does a little bit of everything. Uh, there's games where he'll, you know, he scored 10 points, but he's had 15 rebounds, eight assists, couple blocks, couple steals. Um, just an unselfish teammate. He's fun to be around. Um, you know, he cares about everyone on the team. He's got a, you know, crazy kind of personality, which, you know, it kind of attracts people towards him. Um, and just a fun kid to be around, fun kid to coach. I've loved it. He loves getting into the gym, getting that extra shots. You know, he always calls us and just kind of get in the gym, kind of get on the gun. Uh, let's put in the work. So it's just a pleasure to be around. Ryan, uh, as you go through a season, you know, you see improvements in your team, and you mentioned some of the things that, that they overcame. What would you say was the biggest improvement you made as a team from start to finish to get over that finish line and win the state title? Well, at the beginning, you know, we, you know, we went to Rochester. We played Bishop Grimes. We had some early games and um, to see where we were at. And, you know, we were winning pretty convincingly, 20, 30 points. As the season goes on, obviously people, when you're when you're winning all your games, you have a target on your back. We're the number one team in the area, so it didn't get any easier. Um, and then Charles goes down um, for eight or ten games, and people are like, "Oh, they're definitely going to lose some games." And everyone just stepped up. Um, the the Henniger game, the prime example when the first game Charles went down, we're up 18. He goes down. It ends up going to double overtime. And play after play from different guys, we just start to make. Um, we go to CNS, no Charles, Nas gets hurt. Uh, he barely plays most of the game. More bench players come in and make play after play. And I'm saying to myself, wow, that's pretty special. That doesn't happen too often. Ryan, uh, you, you got a state championship in your back pocket, but not done. Uh, the federation tournament is up next for you guys. What kind of challenge are you going to have back in Glens Falls, uh, tomorrow night? Yeah, there are going to be some really good teams and we're looking forward to the challenge. Um, obviously winning a state title is great, first in Liverpool history, but, uh, to be able to, you know, to go out on there, these guys are, you know, they're confident that they can win. Uh, South Shore, who's out of Brooklyn, beat, uh, they won the PSAL, so they're obviously a good team. Stepanak, who beat Christ the King, who's always a powerhouse. And then Long Island Lutheran, who's, you know, a, a team like Mount Verde, who just, you know, they obviously recruit, recruit players. They're a private school, but they're great. Um, they're nationally ranked and number one in the state. Uh, so we're looking forward to the channel. It's not going to be easy, but, you know, like I told our guys, if we're consistent on both ends of the floor and do what we're supposed to do consistently, uh, we should be fine. Ryan, we've certainly discussed this before, but it's worth kind of circling back on here. You know, as you have evolved as a head coach, have you found yourself in a moment or in, at some point kind of smiling because that's something that Coach Beheim did with you and you found yourself doing the same thing with your team? Well, it's funny because uh, I think maybe it was a couple months ago I was texting Julie Beheim uh, about something, and I said, let Coach know that we've gone undefeated um, while playing the 2-3 zone all year. <laughs> so I think she kind of laughed, and she said he'd be, he'd be happy to hear that. And I, I thought he'd be happy to hear that because obviously that's what they play. It's a staple, and uh, I try to teach these guys the same way that, that I was taught, you know, how to play the zone. Uh, obviously not as, as effective I those guys, I don't have the same personnel, but it's worked. I mean, we won 26 games, really mainly playing 2-3 zones, so that's been great. Ryan, uh, speaking of zone, it's just blowing my mind here. Syracuse and Duke are both playing it, and we're going to see that uh, on both sides in the Sweet 16 matchup tomorrow. 
What kind of advantage does that give Duke in this game that they are playing it, that they have seen it before? Because it seems like one thing where the zone can really get you is if you're not prepared for it, if you've got to face it on short notice like a Michigan State had to and a TCU had to in this tournament. But because Duke is playing it and Mike Krzyzewski knows it well, uh, what kind of advantage are they going to have in this game tomorrow just for, for that factor? Well, I think that is the biggest factor, the fact that the only reason he really plays zone is because of his ties with Coach Beheim and him working with the Olympic team. And um, he's seen us, obviously, we play, played us just a, about a month ago, and we play each other every year, and and they're big. I mean, we're big, but they're big too, and they can score, and they're physical. Um, as, as you saw when we went down to North Carolina um, a couple weeks ago when we played them, uh, they're just tough because um, they can score on the other end, but they can defend – uh, with their size and their length, and they and they like you said, they've had time to prepare because they play zone, so they're in it. They're doing it in practice, as opposed to other teams who only have a few days to prepare for it. So that's yeah, going to be tough. Ryan, this has been an incredible season for Syracuse with the departures, the injuries, having to scrape by with yeah, sure, seven guys, but like three or four of those main players are playing hurt and just gutting through and. I think no matter what, they're kind of playing with house money at this point. But what has impressed you about this Syracuse team the most in getting to the Sweet 16? It always amazes me. I've told people this. There's, I don't think there's one other coach in the country that could take a team that loses Tyler Lydon and Torian Thompson, you know, leaves and transfers and Geno Smith transfers, and they have all these injuries and literally playing with, you know, walk-ons and five or six guys on a roster. And competing, you know, won 20 games, snuck in the tournament, you know, in some people's eyes, and now they're playing Duke to go to the Elite Eight. Um, like you said, they're playing with house money. There's nothing to lose. That's unbelievable. That's incredible. And they seem to always do it when their backs are against the wall or when no one thinks, you know, two years ago, they say we shouldn't get in, and then we get to the Final Four. Um, Bayheim always has a way of, you know, creating things when there's nothing there, it seems like. So oh, it's great. Ryan, uh, the first time Syracuse and Duke matched up, Syracuse held Duke to a season-low 60 points, which is something they've done a lot in this tournament. Uh, the unfortunate thing for Syracuse, of course, was they only scored 44 themselves. So I think it's pretty yeah. obvious that this time around, you're going to need your big three. O'Shea, Frank Howard, and Tyus Battle to all have better offensive days. What else does Syracuse have to do to make this a game and, and have a shot to go to the Elite Eight by beating Duke Friday night? Yeah, they have to have those three. Um, they're going to have to shoot the ball well, a lot better than they did down there. I think both teams were atrocious at that game, if I remember shooting the ball. But I think Dolajai is really a key. Um, I saw a stat line where when he scores more than seven points, I don't know, we haven't really lost too many games. Um, but he's been big going forward. I think he was pretty good against Michigan State. Uh, and he's been he's been getting better and better. I think for us to, to have a chance, he's got to show up and play with energy on both ends of the floor and be kind of effective uh, for us to win. Ryan, always appreciate the time. Best of luck to you and Liverpool in the Federation Tournament this weekend, and we'll catch up soon here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's the Syracuse Sports Podcast for this week. I'm Brent Axe. Thanks for listening. Don't forget you can download on iTunes and Google Play and have new episodes delivered right to your phone, iPad, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll talk to you next time.